I want you to go with me to uh, Psalm 102. And I'm going to read this little portion of Scripture, verse 6 and 7, from the NLT. It just simply says, I'm like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. And listen to the language of the psalmist here. I lie awake, I'm like a lonely bird on a housetop. Look at somebody and say he feels lonely. And then I want you to flip over to the book of Joshua. We're going to look at a little bit this text today, but uh, start with him. And I think in uh, Joshua 1. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan to the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. So I will give you every place where you have set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Look at somebody and say, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Well, why is that? It's because as I was with Moses, hallelujah, as I was with Moses, so I will what? Be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He goes on with these encouraging words. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my, Mo my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. But meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Notice this is a command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And how do you know? Apparently the Lord even makes it to Callaway County. Aren't you glad for that today? Yes. Well, we're his people. And a promise given to Moses and then a promise given to Joshua is given to his covenant children and descendants. And that's what we are. Thank God he's a covenant-keeping God. I want to just mention to you that, uh, you know, some people have called loneliness the world's most common mental health problem. Uh, any given time, they say 25% of the people are dealing with a severe case of it. But how me understand the pandemic has driven that way, way, way up. Loneliness is simply the painful awareness that we lack close and meaningful contact with others, which causes powerful feelings of inner emptiness. It means to be cut off, isolated, with intense longing, to feel disconnected. Raise your hand if you ever felt disconnected. And listen to the language I'm using, felt disconnected. I mean, you know, we can feel things, and they may not necessarily be true. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say your feelings will lie to you. In times like this, it's really easy to feel isolated, left out, forsaken, forgotten about. Even when you're surrounded by others, lonely people will feel left out, unwanted, and misunderstood. Think about Joshua. He has his great friend and mentor in Moses. Now he's gone. He's literally surrounded by about 2.2 to 2.6 million people and feels completely and totally alone in the moment. One of the most powerful and truly life-changing revelations you'll ever receive is to understand 
that you are never, ever alone as a child of God. Let me say that again. It's got to be not just something you heard a preacher say from the pulpit, not something that got an applause line in the church somewhere, but you have a revelation that no matter where I am, my God, because I gave my life to him, no matter where I am, I am never, ever alone. Come on, say it boldly. I am never, ever alone. Say it again. I am never, ever alone. In fact, feeling alone has nothing to do with the number of people around you. Nothing. Listen to this. It has to do with the consciousness of the presence of one person, the Lord. No matter how many people around you, without the consciousness of the presence of God, you will be a lonely person. People were never designed to meet that need in your life. You will take a married couple and one will say, well, when I get married to this person on such and such a date, I'll be complete. I'll never feel alone, separated, less. And they get married, and guess what? They feel, if not the same, they feel even lonelier than when they got married. Why? Because marriage doesn't solve anything. It just intensifies the person you were when you got married. So on the other hand, if you're a child of God and you're presence-minded and you're conscious of God with you always, you know, and you get married, you're going to have a blessed relationship because you're not making that person the basis of whether you're lonely or not. Right. Same thing with friendships. Same thing with church ministries. Can I have an amen? They ate all the donuts. They didn't shake my hand. They're unfriendly. Well, that's where American Christianity has come to, about friendliness, when it needs to be about God consciousness. Can I announce something to you? That's changing in this nation. God is about to raise up the most God-conscious generation we've ever had in the history of this nation. He's not going to relegate this nation to people who think it's all about them and get put out when it's not about them. Turn to somebody and say, it's not about you. So my loneliness is based on the level of God consciousness, God with me consciousness. It is not based on anybody else. Now, with that foundation, having people around you is a great blessing. Friends are a great blessing. Marriage is a great blessing. Marriage is a great blessing. Marriage is a great blessing. Had to get that in there. (laughs) But without it. There is no relationship that is going to solve the loneliness issue in the human heart. Now, you would think today with all the effort to connect and reconnect with people like social media and DNA searches and Internet relationship sites, people would feel more you know, connected than ever. But in fact, they're more disconnected than ever. In fact, studies show feelings of connectivity actually increase with social media use. So put your phone down for just a second. Let me say that again. Disconnection actually increases with social media interaction. How is that possible at social media? No, it's not. It's some person somewhere you don't know liking some posts that you put up there. Hello? Because they started calling them friends. So-and-so wants to be your friend. So-and-so got defriended. What does that mean? That just means you got delivered from that friend, amen. <laughs> but you would think with all the emphasis, people would be, oh, close and, and not, and yet they're lonelier than ever, phone in hand. Why? It's simple. There is no cure for loneliness outside of the Lord. Zero, nada, none. No possibility. 
You can't expect people to fill a hole that was only designed to be filled by God. Amen. So the cure is God consciousness. God with me conscious. Say it. He is always with me. No matter where I go. Loneliness will take you down one of three paths typically. And I see this as a pastor over the course of three decades. It can be absolutely the, the, the truth. This is the way this works. There are some exceptions. But number one, the path of connection at any cost. The path of connection at any cost. We will compromise our morality. One day we'll be preaching about integrity of the word of God and purity and sexuality and, and everything we do and say. And because we're lonely, we throw that out the window and tell ourselves, well, God just wants us to be happy. That's the main thing. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, God just wants a little thing from you. He wants you to be obedient. Come on, say it with me, obedience. But because you're lonely, shove aside the principles and even values that you held to. Recently, a, a minister in our fellowship wrote an article about how, you know, shacking up has now moved into the church, cohabitation. How's that possible? Well, we want people who are in sin to be under the gospel, but we can't sanction the behavior. You say, why would they do it? Disconnection. They're lonely. We need to tell people again, there's a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live. And then a funny thing happens when people do this, and I'll explain this to you for those of you who have never had the privilege of having me for premarital counseling. <laughs> Amen. The problem with cohabitation is you think that you're going to get to know the person when you move in together. But according to the word of God, when your union it takes place is when the Lord, through a minister of the gospel, declares you man and wife. You proclaim, I now proclaim you man and wife. And the guy's saying, can I kiss her? Can I kiss her? Can I kiss her? Wait a minute. <laughs> I now proclaim you man and wife. Well, when that happens, all that is is a natural, you know, reflection of what God is actually doing. God performed the first wedding, and he performs every wedding through whatever agency there is on the earth. And at that moment, is there anybody here that went through my premarital counseling? You know, this is true. Yes, amen, there's one over there. <laughs> And they're still married. Praise the Lord. <laughs> At that moment, you now have the right to get to know the person. Now watch this. They live together and live together and live together. Oh, we're so in love. We're so in love. Now we're going to get married. Then they get married, and guess what? They now get the, the ability to know each other, and they don't like what they see. The majority of these relationships do not work out because their eyes are open now, because now they have a permission to really know the person. This is what I'm saying. You say, why do they do it? Loneliness. 2 Corinthians 8, 17 for the message says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical act, as written in Scripture, to become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. And that's exactly what it does when you go down a path to try to satisfy loneliness with some kind of physical activity. I don't believe pastors should talk about sex from the pulpit, brother. Or, can I tell you something? That's the problem. Everybody else has. And now our young minds are just as warped as everybody else out there. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that great revelation. The other pathway is the path of self-destruction. 
Luke chapter 8, verse 29, the, the man in the gathering, though he had been kept under guard and chained hand and foot, he had broken his chains and had been forced by the demon out into what? Lonely places. What will happen is if you're not careful, you'll go into bondages and chains, into addictions, into things that will destroy your life trying to fill that. And that's the message we've got to get to any personal life controlling problem. That's not your answer. Jesus is. He'll set you free. What you need is to be God conscious, not ignore him and try to solve this yourself, which is what people do when they try to self-medicate. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, don't self-medicate. Be God conscious. He is the cure of all ills. Do you believe that today? He is our fix. He's not an object of religious affection or worship. He is it. Amen. The third path is the, the path to the cure for loneliness. The psalmist said this, and I love this scripture in Psalm 25, one of my favorite psalms. Turn to me and be gracious, verse 16. Be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Bingo. That's what you do when this spirit tries to come on you. That's what you do when you're overwhelmed with feelings of loneliness. Whether you're standing in a big crowded room of family or a stadium or whatever, people around you, but deep in your heart there's loneliness there, it's because God consciousness, God with you consciousness is not there. We can supplement our relationship with God with other relationships, but we can't substitute other relationships for a relationship with God. We'll never be fulfilled or feel whole, ever. We really do have to put the horse before the cart. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than what? Than what? Than a brother. Now, you may have been fortunate in this life, and you may yet be. to have somebody that does uh, very much smack of, of loyalty and decency and really does have your back. You may be blessed with that, but you always have that in the Lord. So be careful coming out of your spirit of brokenness or loneliness. I just don't have anybody. That's a smack in the face of the God that redeemed you. And he's not out there somewhere in the heavens. You've got to reach up and try to find him. He actually lives on the inside of the born-again believer. Amen? Say it with me. God consciousness. Hebrews 13.5 says boldly, I will never. Oh, God left me. No, because the Bible says he never. See, this is not just a feeling issue. This is a do I believe the Bible issue. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You could interchange the words like abandonment or rejection. Aren't you glad to know the Lord's not going to reject you and abandon you? Some of y'all have been through that. You were raised feeling rejected. You were raised feeling abandoned. You didn't have, like I had, the blessing of a nuclear home and still have my parents married. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, amen. It's a blessing. But there are many that have not had that. And I'm well aware of that as a pastor. But if you're not careful, you'll begin to think that's just your lot and there's nothing that can come of that. I tell you, if you let God be God, you can go through anything. You can come out on the other side victorious and then light the way for other people to come out. And I'll tell you, that's exactly what we need right now in this country are people to come out on the other end in victory and light the path for somebody else. Amen. And said, oh, woe is me. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Hey, you've got God. You've got God. Come on, say it. I've got God. I've got God with me. Consciousness. 
Can you see if you do, you're going to straighten up and you're going to sparkle and you're going to have a little, you know, you know, blip in your step. And you're going to enjoy your life and there's going to be a confidence there. Say confidence. There's going to be a peace there. Say peace there. There's going to be a joy there. There's going to be a strength there because you have a revelation that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. Do not turn to God and thrust on him the character of somebody that did reject you or abandon you. Now, you resist that temptation. You say, my God has never done that to anyone. In fact, if you'll think about it, God is not the one that turned his back on these this people that we call the human race. That was all our idea. Amen. You want to see a picture of the Father? Read through Luke 15 sometime and, and see the heart of the Father who's out there on the road looking for a prodigal son who said, you know what? Just die and give me my inheritance, Dad. And after spending everything he had, he ends up in the pig pen. He even longed to eat with the pigs were fed. And he sat there in that pen, realizing to himself, the Bible says he came to his senses. My, my, my father's servants have it better than this. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to go and repent and take responsibilities. Perhaps he'll have mercy on me. But guess what? He's not in the house blowing him off. He didn't lock the doors and say goodbye. He was on the road looking for him. That's God with us consciousness. Amen. That's who your Lord is. Not waiting to beat you in the head with a baseball bat or knock you into the next county because you made mistakes. I know, but I made mistakes and I feel horrible. You think you informed him of that? Amen. No, he knows. You do what's necessary as you repent and you go on. But he's not going to forsake you because you're not perfect. Boy, is that a relief. Because what we'd have here is mass forsaking. If he rejected us because mistakes that we make, poke your neighbor and say, You're not perfect, but he loves you. Come on, say, God with us, consciousness. How can you overcome loneliness like Joshua? Well, listen to what God did for him, and you apply this to your life. First of all, with a God encounter. Say it with me a God encounter. Not a religion encounter, not just a church encounter, not a ministry encounter but with a God encounter. He's the only one who can steal the feeling of being alone. No human could do for Joshua what God did that day. Your servant, my servant Moses, is gone. But you have something to do. You have a will to accomplish. You have a purpose to accomplish. What I need you to do is begin to draw on me like your servant and your your father Moses did. Have an encounter with him. You know, you have a choice when you get to feeling really down and lonely. You can either sit there and have a pity party, or you can become God conscious. Say, God, I just need another encounter. Put on some praise and worship music. You'd be amazed sometimes how something so simple can cut right through all the junk and minister to you in such a powerful way. Young, new song, old song, hymn, whatever it is. Do you know that the presence of God when you have the heart to receive it, always travels on worship music that was written for his honor and for his glory. Always. It always travels on the wings of that music. That's a whole much better use of your time than having a pity party. Amen? I had a pity party, invited no one. Had a terrible time. (laughs) Number two, a God exhortation. He told him repeatedly, be strong and courageous. 
And if God commands us to do something, we always have the power to do it. Why? Because he never gives a command without the power to do what he told you to do. Thank God for that. Amen. He didn't say go and preach the gospel and do it in your flesh and your natural. No. He gives us the power to do what we're supposed to do. Say it with me in exhortation. When's he going to give me that? In the encounter. I believe this strong as I believe anything that we preach or teach around here. One word from God can change your life forever. Just one. You don't need a book. You don't need a thesis. You don't need a dissertation. You just need to hear from God. Does that make sense? And in that encounter with your ears wide open, you're ready to receive what he has to tell you. It may be for you today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Whatever the case may be, that one word from God can change your life forever. Or you can focus on the one word from the devil and ruin your life forever. Huh? Nobody cares. Nobody knows. Everybody's against me. Nobody's for me. Ringing a bell? Now, see, when, when we have a God in us, a God with us, a God for us consciousness, we're not looking for somebody else to make us right. Amen? Number three, a God encouragement. Do not be discouraged. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That same promises for us today. As I was with Moses, Joshua, so I'll be with you. As I was with Joshua, so guess what? I will be with David. As I was with David, amen. amen. So I will be with David. Amen. And you can put your name in there. Now here's the question. Was he with Moses? Raise your hand if you believe he was with Moses. Do you believe he was with Joshua? He's the same God serving the same covenant, faithful to the same covenant of love. If he was there for Joshua, then he's here for you as well. That encouragement from God directly, God has promised to be with you always. Pastor, you think he's with me right now? Yes, he's with you right now. When I leave, will he be with me? Yes. When I go to the dollar store, will he be there? Yep. If I go to Walmart, will he be with me? No, he won't be at Walmart. He won't go to Walmart. <laughs> Especially this time of the year. He don't do Walmart. So he's going to have to. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he still goes to the dollar stores. All 50 of them. <laughs> there is no way for the believer not to be, what? With him and to be alone. You, you are you know, in the same position covenantally as these great men of God. Same promise applies to you and to me. And the fourth is a God enablement. And here's what he told him. Be careful, don't let the book of law depart from your mouth. And it doesn't mean, you know, don't speak it. It means just the opposite in the language. Don't let it stop coming out of your mouth. Then you'll be careful to actually do what it says. And in that way, you'll make your way successful. God's not leaving us out there. Not only is he with you, he's with you every single day to give you the enablement to succeed in your life. Whatever you put your hands to, succeeding and prospering. We think that's just a promise for people like Joshua. No, that's a promise for every person who's a believer in this room. That he is with you to enable you to succeed in the things that he's called you to do. And that's a powerful message for you and for me. What am I saying to you? At that moment, you need to choose God's thoughts over your thoughts. God is saying, take my thoughts, Joshua. 
Take my thoughts, set your thoughts aside. It's not a new concept to a church like us, but listen, the discipline of doing it's very different from knowing it mentally. And saying to yourself, you know what, I'm going to just cast down my thoughts and take on your thoughts. And as you do, you're going to have the empowerment, the enablement to do what you're supposed to do. And as you do so, you're going to have confidence and peace and success. Say it with me, confidence and peace and success. Why? Because God is with you. How can you lose? Well, I don't feel like a winner. I'm not asking how you feel. I'm talking about spiritual and scriptural reality. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. It seems to me that we should always have encounters and exhortations and encouragements from God, and we should have enablements from God every day of our lives. Amen? Well, you don't know my life. Well, apparently you don't know my God. I'm the hardest case he's ever dealt with. Don't think so. Look at somebody and say, you're a case, but not the hardest case. I know some of the hardest cases. What I want to do today is, is leave you with some practical ways to increase that God with you consciousness. And this, again, is in the category of bringing to your remembrance things that are important. How many have realized that Christians tend to forget things? I'm not talking about names and phone numbers and addresses and where you live. I mean vital spiritual truth and the heat of the battle and the problems that go on in life. And you can actually increase your God with you consciousness with just some simple principles. I want to read this from Isaiah 7, 14, first of all. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That is such a staggering concept that even to this day, it's hard for the Jews to think of Jesus as the Messiah. And there's a problem there. There's still a schism there. But those Jews who have received the one that does say boldly that it's God with us, what a transforming truth that is. He literally is God with us. That means he's not against you. And if he's not against you, amen, who can be against you? Because he's for you. Come on, say it. If God is for me, who can be against me? What's the answer, church? Nobody. Come on, say it. Nobody. Say it again. Nobody. Nobody can. Because God is what? Have you ever read a scripture where God set out to do something in his will, his people did his will, and God failed? No. He is your champion. And that's why you and I can be more than conquerors. Hallelujah. He's with us. Say, God with us. Consciousness. Oh, wait a minute. Delay of game. Penalty flag, Pastor. You can't bring out Isaiah 714 until Christmas. I sure can. I just did. Amen. <laughs> Come on, say it. Emmanuel. God with us. One of the most powerful revelations that we need as a Christian, and we're just going to pull it out one time a year. Don't you think you need God with you in January? Yes. How many of y'all could use God with us in April? A tax time. Yes. How many of you know a stupid knows no special day? 
You need God with us, revelation, every day. Here they are, just four simple reminders for you today. Practical ways to increase the God with you consciousness. Come on, say it again. Never will he leave me. Never will he forsake me. Is that a big deal? Yes, because humans on their best day can't make that declaration. Even if they will to remain covenant-minded, live long enough, separation by death, separation by eventual, amen, rapture one day, glory to God. He's coming back. But the only person that can make that promise is the Lord. And he keeps it. But when we began to talk to you about the glorification process, this is not a segue, it's just an illustration, I pointed out to you that the glory is not just some shining light and, oh, glory to God, praise the Lord, but glorification is the systematic restoration of the glory that was lost in a believer's life because of sin but is now being restored you know, through our lives. And eventually he's going to finish the uh, you know, assignment on the other end, but there's a lot of glorification, of course, that's supposed to be happening now. Your spirit is already glorified, but God is glorifying your mind, your will, your emotions, and he's sustaining your body. And one day you're going to have what? A new one. But watch this. Then you have to define what glory is. And glory is the manifested presence, power, and goodness of God. So I can say God is everywhere present, that's fine and dandy, but not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a manifested presence. We don't go around saying, well, God is all-powerful, praise the Lord, aren't we smart, and don't we have a big God? We're not talking about that. We're talking about God manifesting that power in our witness, splitting you know, Red Seas apart, healing the body. The, the pastor who went in for a report and the cancer is gone. That's the manifested power of God. Yes, God could do that. That's great to say that. But guess what? God did it. That's manifested. And the same thing with his goodness. Aren't you glad you serve a good God? Some of us, it took years to get our minds renewed that he's not the problem. Say it with me. He's the solution. God has never done anything to you evil and never will. He is good. But we're not talking about theologically. Well, the Lord is good. Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah, Sean died. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about manifested goodness in your life, good things happening in your life, breakthroughs happening in your life that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can hold in your hand and enjoy. When I'm talking about God with you consciousness, I'm talking about the same principle. I'm not talking about theological truth in your brain. I'm talking about actual consciousness of his presence. You see this? And if you want to elevate that consciousness, you do these things consistently and focus on these things consistently, and you're going to move from theologically Emmanuel to what? The conscious knowledge and presence of God in your life every day, practicing the presence of God. Are you still with me today? One is, of course, God's presence. And how is that activated? And how is that manifested in your life? Through things like prayer and praise and thanksgiving. These all stir up consciousness. One of the things I know about somebody who says, I don't feel God anymore, it tells me they're not spending time in prayer and praise and thanksgiving. You cannot sit there any length of time and praise God without God showing up. 
Are you here today? You're not sitting back and saying, I'm not going to do this. I mean, I can't stand theologians that say things like, like you know, David just alluded to. You know, he doesn't promise one thing and do another. His word says he will inhabit the praise of his people. Yeah, but he's God. He doesn't have to. Because he's God, he put his will, what, in line with the word on his own volition. We didn't make him do that. And he said that he inhabits the praise of his people. So if his people start praising, just like this morning, what happened? Let me tell you what I wasn't doing. I wasn't sitting there worshiping God and saying, oh, thank God, theologically, I know the presence of the Lord is here where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's there in the midst. You know what I was saying to myself? God is here manifesting. And this may be a shock to some of y'all, but some of you are going to go home and find out that not only was that pastor healed, you were healed this morning. Manifested power and goodness of God. So God's presence is a key. Number two, God's precepts, meaning time in his word, it will quicken the heart to God's existence and presence in your life. God consciousness. The word of God is supernatural. Say it, it's supernatural. It's alive and it's living. And when you read, what happens is a consciousness of his reality will hit you every single time that you do. Absence from the word and that God with you consciousness will diminish. All you've got to do to increase that consciousness is just stay consistent in the word of God. I'm asking you to be a biblical scholar or theologian. Just consistently be in the word of God and watch what will happen. Your consciousness of God with you will increase. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, 5 again says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, say it. I will. Come on, everybody. I will never leave you or forsake you. Say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Where did that come from? The word. Now, you read that and then go around the house saying that about 15 times. Amen. You just might transition from a Lutheran to a Pentecostal right there in your living room. <laughs> Running around your living room. Yeah, he never will. He, he, he won't leave me. That's the power of the word of God. And that's just one verse. There are hundreds of verses in there about God's faithfulness and his diligence to his people. And see what I'm saying to you? The precepts themselves uh, will increase your God with you consciousness. And I tell you, this is a crazy world we're living in. We need that reality more than ever. And it's available to you. Amen. Number three, this will be shocking to some, God's people. <laughs> Wait a minute. You lost me there. God's people will help me increase God with us consciousness. But they're so imperfect. It's not about what they are in the natural that does it. It's what they are in the spiritual that does it. You know, the body of Christ, if we're, if we're ever going to go to the next level, we've got to stop defining people by their failures. And start defining people, Amen by who they are in Christ. Because no matter how you wish it or want it, they're not going to be perfect. 
And if you can only fellowship, associate, be yourself involved with them at any level, when you think they're perfect and you can't see their humanity showing, you're going to be really lonely. Amen? You could sit here and pick apart anybody in this room if you wanted to, and I could do the same thing. But you know what godly people do? They see the good in people. They see what unites them and not what divides them. That's why what's going on in this nation is so demonic. Because it is the fruit of division. What's wrong with people instead of what's right with people. The attitudes that may have you know, been wrong instead of thinking about all the things that they are doing right. And it's gotten so bad today uh, that out there in the world, I mean, you say one wrong thing, they'll cancel you, fire you, get rid of you, vilify you. All because a bunch of people on Twitter decided to come after you. You know, it doesn't honor God. The whole cancel culture thing, I'm so glad God doesn't do cancel culture. Come on, say, he doesn't do cancel culture. He's in, he's in restoring. But I said this to Kelly several months ago. I said, you know what? This cancel culture was perfected in the church long before the world got a hold of it. You, know, you don't believe that? First time somebody sees humanity in you or humanity in a leader, or humanity in a deacon, humanity in a pastor, boom, they're gone, perfectly feeling justified. People that were your family today, gone. Not with so much as even a word. What does that sound like to you? I'm canceling you and your group and your church and your leadership. It's all throughout the land. The world is now imitating us on cancel culture, and we need to repent of that in Jesus' name. Because if we want to increase our God with us consciousness, we cannot be detached from the people of God. Because the only carriers of the anointing in the world are the people of God. So when you see people act like that in or out of the house of God, don't emulate them. Pray for them, but don't be like that. Are you here today? Because as wonderful as Jimmy Henley is, and welcome Jimmy and Rita. Wonderful. Wonderful guy. By now you've discovered a wart or two, but she's not going to say that. Are you? You'll tell me later. Huh? <laughs> Just go ahead and poke him right now. What's really precious about him is what's on him. When you, when you poke a believer, the Holy Ghost comes out. And that's why with every wart, every limitation, everything that we are not, when we come together in Jesus' name, the corporate anointing begins to flow and that God with us consciousness increases. You come into a spirit-filled service. You don't walk out doubting the existence of God. The existence of God is reaffirmed to you because the people of God together, what raised your God with you consciousness. You will always need the body of Christ. Always. It's never designed for you to do this by yourself. Why not take advantage of every tool that we have to raise that consciousness? An old pastor went to visit a man who hadn't been in church in five, six, seven, eight months, and it was a cold winter day. He knocked on the door and didn't say a word, walked to the door, sat in front of the fireplace with, with this man. They never said a word. 
pastor took a poker and he separated one of the coals from the rest of the fire. They just sat there looking at the fire, looking at the fire, never saying a word. About an hour later, that coal that had been separated was completely dead and without ember. pastor just got up and walked out the door. The next week, the man was in church. Huh? You just can't burn all by yourself, baby. Come on, look at somebody and say, you can't burn by yourself, baby. Turn to somebody else and say, come on, baby, light my fire. Come on. Come on. Come on, shout it out. I can't burn by myself, baby. Glory to God. The people of God carry the essence and the spirit of God. The people. Then number four is God's purpose. This just simply means participating in God's mission at any level. It reminds us of his engagement with us, releases an anointing as we serve. It raises our consciousness, God with us consciousness, as we serve. Um, I've been getting messages from staff and other leaders in this church of people who pulled them aside to say how much they thank God that we would do what we did last week for this community. Um, some of the comments from just shock that we would do this. There's no charge for anything that people would take the time to put such an excellent event together for the community. And one of the refrains that I've, I've heard is, thank you for doing this for the community. Now, you may not realize it, but as we did what we did last week, or you do whatever you do, whether it's in the nursery, teaching a class, or, or playing an instrument, what happens is your God with us consciousness rises because it'll be God working through you, serving through you, speaking through you, making funnel cakes, hallelujah. You know, it's obvious to me after doing this now several years that the Lord has blessed the funnel cake line. That is... That must be the Holy of Holies in the Fall Festival. Does that make sense? It must be because there's some people went back four and five times, bless God. They were not on the Atkins diet, glory to God. But even in the simple things like that, our God with us consciousness rises. So as you think about this, where you fit... Right now, the ministry needs for children's workers, needs for helps workers in our ministry. We could use more musicians. Some of you are sitting there hiding. Be sure of this. Your pastor will find you out. You can run. Uh, but whatever it is you do in advancing the redemptive mission of God, the purpose aspect here, what happens is the flow of the anointing, the spirit of God, and it makes you more conscious of him. God with you. You want to have a greater God with you conscious? Make sure you manifest that presence of God in your life every single day by prayer and praise and thanksgiving. You want to elevate that consciousness? Make sure you spend time in his precepts every single day. You want to elevate that consciousness? Make sure you're around God's people. Don't cut yourself off from them. Stay connected. Say, so what's more important? You know, that little pity anything you think is so big? or all of us having a greater God consciousness. Amen? It's far more important that we have a, a, a growing concept of who he is in us and through us. 
And then if you want to elevate that God with you consciousness, make sure you're doing something. Make sure you're serving. Make sure you're involved somehow, some way. You have to do everything. God could use right now more prayer warriors for the church than ever. Bard, where are you? Sitting right there. Uh, Barb has taken on the responsibilities uh, that Rodney had in terms of the building. And uh, I praise God for the job you're doing. We appreciate you so much. But watch this. When I talked to her about coming out and, and doing this responsibility, which seems very natural, I said, what I'm really asking you to do is I'm asking you to pray the whole time you're doing your work here in the church. And you know what? Some people looked at me and cocked their head and said, what? She has done exactly what her pastor has asked her to do. She's prayed through these halls and through these seats and through the restrooms. And I know it's a good idea to get a prayer covenant in the restroom this time of year. Yes, amen. In what she is doing, God with us, consciousness rising. You see the difference? Give her a hand clap. I appreciate what she's, she's doing. I, uh, more than once, I've walked into the auditorium and she's, she's going with it. I mean, she's binding and loosening and casting out devils, amen. And I was going to say something to her and said, no, I'll just save that for another time, glory to God. But amen, somebody praying and interceding. I bet you she'll pray for your needs if you just tell her what they are as she's praying. She didn't ask me to see any of that. But I just want you to see how important everything is done. Anything that's done in his name, service rendered in the name of the Lord, is ministry by definition. And watch this. It's going to cause an increase in God with us consciousness. Say it with me. His presence, his precepts, his people, his purpose. Look at somebody and say, you ooze the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's so impressed to say this, and some of y'all wonder, does it matter, really? Uh, you go out in town, and you don't even know, but people are picking up on what's inside of you. Even if you're not acting all goofy and weird. Just living your life for the Lord, letting your light shine. People can tell the difference between a man and woman of God and a person of this world. Some will appreciate that. Some will run from it. Amen. But what you have, you go, it goes with you. What you have is God with us. Come on, stand to your feet and give him a big hand clap and thank you.